0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the Cybertruck makes an appearance at an event and provides us an interesting new look at some of its recent changes. Plus, the Cybertruck takes an important next step towards production. Autopilot Hardware 4 also takes a big step towards becoming reality and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you live from Los Angeles on episode 358 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for June 12th, 2022. Yes, I am down here on a business trip. I am recording a little early this week. It is late, late, late Thursday night. Uh, Normally I record late Friday nights. But on this business trip, it's going to be a busy one. I've got a little window here. I've got a full show prepared for you. So as usual, when I do record early, I'll just mention if anything major pops up on Friday, I will certainly talk about it in great detail on next week's show. Uh, But hopefully those of you on the Patreon who have early access will enjoy getting access to the show a bit earlier. And in fact, on that note, I want to say thank you to those of you who have joined the Patreon particularly at that revamped ludicrous tier or higher. I hope all of you enjoyed the first of many weekly bonus mini episodes. The first one was all about the new DeLorean Alpha 5 EV. I've got much more to come on plenty of other EV-related topics every single week. So if you're on the Patreon at the ludicrous tier or higher, look out for those, and I hope you're enjoying them. Uh, I want to start with a couple of housekeeping notes this week. First... Congratulations go out to all of my listeners who were admitted to the full self-driving beta last weekend. Tesla finally opened up the gates again and they let in anybody with a 93 safety score or higher. So it wasn't just that Tesla opened the gates, they opened the floodgates. So have fun with it if you're new to the beta, but I would caution you in all seriousness, never let your guard down with it. It has come a long way from where it was when I first got in last fall, as it had from when the beta first started the holiday season before that, almost a year prior to that. But even today, it can still do unpredictable things, even on routes that you have used it on previously. So don't get too comfortable with it, but do enjoy it. Do have fun. By the way, uh, Elon Musk added this in a follow-up tweet saying, quote, 10.13 smooths out intersection control, especially long lefts, and starts to handle roads with no map data at all. Last point is a big deal. Within a few months, FSD should be able to drive to a GPS point with zero map data, which would be pretty cool. And I mean, by that, it sounds like more major under-the-hood work is happening behind the scenes on the FSD beta. I'm still curious how far away we are from the highway and city streets FSD stacks merging, i.e. version 11, which as you may remember, Elon originally thought we might get in February. Well, we're a few months past that now, but this is certainly a complex problem with probably about a billion moving parts, if I had to estimate it, where there is no uh, blueprint for how to do it. Tesla is effectively assembling the plane in midair on this one. Now, I mean, just from the sheer passage of time, plus what we've seen in the last couple of updates, it does sound like the autopilot team is laying down some foundational groundwork before merging those stacks in version 11. We could be weeks away from version 11, or it could still be months, but progress is happening and I am so excited for all of you who are new to the beta to have a front row seat for that progress. Welcome aboard to all of you. Uh, One other quick thing on the subject of PSAs and housekeeping notes. This is a public service announcement specifically for my Delaware listeners. I want to say thank you to Adam from Delaware for letting me know that there's currently a bill going through the Delaware Assembly, it's House Bill 239, to allow EV-only manufacturers to operate up to two dealerships in Delaware, which, as De- uh, Adam notes, that's good because Delaware is a small state, so two Uh, two dealerships would be a good thing. So if you'd like to read the bill for yourself, you can certainly Google it, but here's a snippet. It says an act to amend title six of the Delaware code relating to motor vehicle dealerships. This act creates an exception to the restriction on manufacturers operating vehicle dealerships in Delaware to allow a manufacturer of zero emission vehicles that does not operate in any franchises to own control or operate up to two dealerships in Delaware, which certainly sounds like that bill was tailored pretty specifically for Tesla, but it's also opening the door there for both Rivian and Lucid as well. So you like to see that now. If you would like to support this bill, be sure to contact your state senators and your state leaders to respectfully but enthusiastically express your desire for this to be passed and to be signed into law. Let's get Tesla legalized in another state as this state-by-state battle for Tesla legality rages on. Uh, All right, sorry, there's one other housekeeping note. I promise it'll be quick, and then there's plenty of Tesla news to get to. It's a follow-up from last week when Sergio called into the Ride the Lightning hotline wanting to get his hands on an Austin-built Model Y 2.0. The short version here is that Brian from Little Elm, Texas, which is a town north of Dallas, has a Model Y order in, and he got the invitation from Tesla to take that Austin-built standard range Model Y if he wants it. Now, he mentioned that he's not going to take it. He's going to wait for the long range. But to Sergio or really anyone else in Texas, and reports are now, as my recording, that it's extending even beyond Texas, if you're interested in that standard range Model Y 2.0, it looks like there's a decent chance that you can get access to it now that we know with certainty that these invitations are not being strictly limited to Austin residents. So good to see the Model Y 2.0 starting to get out a little more widely available. All right, news-wise, there's a lot to dig into. Let's start by talking Cybertruck, which, by the way, let's just on that general topic, talking Cybertruck is about to get a lot more fun. If you are newer to the Tesla community and you have never been through the lead-up to a Tesla product launch before... What I can tell you from experience is that it becomes this fun detective adventure where we learn all sorts of tiny little details and tidbits as the pre-production versions of these vehicles start hitting the roads. And that's exactly what happened this week as one of the newer alpha prototypes of the Cybertruck was in attendance at the ribbon cutting slash grand opening of the Elkhorn Pack facility in Moss Landing, California, with Tesla and in partnership with PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, the utility provider here in Northern California. I want to say thank you to Tesla Motors Reddit user I shouldn't have said that for attending the event and getting some really great pictures of the Cybertruck. And because of that, we can see a lot of interesting details. Here's what jumped out at me. First, the dashboard is very plain, fairly traditional black dashboard. You can see the blade HVAC vent system running across it, just like all four of the other Teslas now. And I point that out to say, well, that plain black dashboard looks totally fine. Don't get me wrong. But if you go back and look at the interior photos of the original Cybertruck prototype, it's definitely not that white marble-looking block that really stood out on the original prototype. So in other words, that marble-ish block, which by the way, we were told by Tesla was a, a paper-based thing, What that marble-looking slab from that prototype probably isn't going to make it into production, which is too bad, because it did look pretty cool. But something the prototype didn't have that the new Alpha prototype does, and thus the production version is likely to have as well, is something we got a brief glimpse at before, and I talked about it at the time, but now we have a clearer look at it, and that is an instrument cluster screen. This means that, unless there are changes coming up for the 3 and the Y that we don't know about yet, which by the way, is entirely possible the Cybertruck will be the cheapest way to get a Tesla that has two screens in the interior. Currently, the only way to do that is to spend a minimum of $100,000 on a base Model S. Now, the Cybertruck isn't gonna be $40,000, I'm quite sure, as it was originally uh, advertised as as starting out at, which I've I've certainly have talked about this uh, before, because it sure does not seem like the single motor version for $39,990 is going to get made anytime soon, if ever. And, and the prices on the other variants are going to go up, no doubt, as we've seen all Tesla prices rise quite a bit due to, of course, materials costs, supply chain, all that. But if the dual motor Cybertruck starts at, let's say, sixty or 65000 because that's I feel like it's going to be somewhere around there after originally being listed in November of 2019 for 50,000. But I think we're looking at 60 to 65 anyway. Uh, even at those prices, the Cybertruck will still be by far the most affordable two-screen Tesla that you can buy. Another observation, and curiously here, this Cybertruck, even unlike the one we saw at the Cyber Rodeo event, the Giga Texas grand opening. This particular Cyber truck that showed up at this PG and E event has a shorter, unnoticeably shorter windshield wiper arm, and a mysterious vertical rectangular cutout on the far edge of the windshield. Not literally a cutout of the glass, but you know, there's a black border that runs around all of our windshields. Uh, that's where my rock hit my Model Three windshield and started the crack. But anyway, there is a rectangular, vertically oriented rectangle there, which I'm not really sure exactly what that's supposed to be. It's, uh, it's could it be a rain sensor there for the, for the windshield wiper? Could it be a new camera as part of the hardware four suite, which by the way, we're gonna talk a lot more about here in a few minutes. Could it just be a VIN plate? It's really tough to know, certainly at this point, and now I'm really eager to find out because if you were to look at the pictures of it, it's just in an odd place for whatever this is. Again, far the far left side of the of the of the windshield, if you're from sitting in the car, the far left side of it, and about half to two-thirds of the way up the windshield, there's just, you know, it's not in the top corner if it were a Vin plate or down the So I don't know. It's uh I'm really eager to find out what this is. It's probably nothing. Like, it's probably nothing really that interesting. It probably is a VIN plate, but I don't know. I'm I'm now uh, curious to learn the answer to that. And anyway, one almost maybe Easter egg thing, and that is that in the Cybertruck interior, we can even see the uh, brake and accelerator pedals in these pictures, which, okay, you might think, well, what's interesting about that? They're, number one, they're aluminum pedals, like in the Performance 3 and Y. But what's fun, at least I thought so, is instead of having rounded edges like our pedals do, they are distinct squares, rectangles with, yeah, not squares, rectangles with 90 degree corners, which I think is just a clever and funny touch that, of course, fits with the theme of the rest of the truck. So... Uh, I got a kick out of all those pictures and and observing all these new little details. Now, speaking of the Cybertruck, as I alluded to at the throw-in at the top of the show, it did take a small but key step towards production this past week. This story comes via Drive Tesla Canada, who writes, Tesla's Gigapress supplier... IDRA group has been teasing an all new 9,000 ton gigapress over the last few weeks and will officially unveil the massive machine at an open house in Italy. There was a lot of speculation that the new gigapress was for Tesla, given that Tesla has also previously said it would be ordering an 8,000 ton gigapress for the Cybertruck and IDRA has even shown it off in a video last year. It also Painted in the automaker's signature red and white colors, like its other Gigapress machines currently in use. After the company released a video this week showing the 9,000 ton Gigapress being assembled ahead of the event, Tesla CEO Elon Musk confirmed it will be delivered to Giga Texas and be used to produce the Cybertruck body. So, this is the 9,000 ton, think about this, 9,000 ton Gigapress that's gonna be used to stamp out the bodies out of stainless steel. What I find particularly optimistic about this story and about this news is the timing. Let's look at the calendar for a second. The Giga Press is being unveiled and shown off in early June. They will need to then either disassemble this one and deliver it to Giga Texas and install it there, or they're building another one for Tesla within Giga Texas, of course. Either way, the point is that 2022 isn't even half over yet and this key component of Cybertruck production is ready. It's ready to roll. And that makes me very optimistic about my Cybertruck production timeline theory that I told you about back on the earnings call recap episode a month and a half or so ago. I was reading the tea leaves at the time in the shareholder letter and theorizing that Cybertruck production would begin in Q1 of 2023. And maybe I'm reading too much into it and or I don't have the full picture. I mean, I know I don't have the full picture, so maybe I'm reading too much into it. But if the Cybertrucks, the giant giga press needed for the body is ready to go and just needs to be installed at Giga Texas this year, uh, at at this midpoint of the year, it gives me hope that Tesla could be producing test vehicles first, because that's always gonna come first, by say, Q4, and head into general production and actual customer deliveries, yes, real deliveries, in Q1, as I had suspected. I mean, that would be such a killer way to start the year for us as Tesla fans, but more importantly, for the many, many, many of you listening that are Cybertruck reservation holders and have been waiting for this thing for quite some time already. All right, let's continue talking about the Cybertruck, shall we? Though this next story will ultimately apply to the entire fleet as well. It's just likely, perhaps, to start with the Cybertruck. And the story is this, Samsung, has won a multi-billion-dollar Tesla camera deal. One more time, the story comes from Drive Tesla Canada, who writes, according to a report by KED, the deal is worth somewhere between 3.2 and 4 billion dollars. Samsung Electro-Mechanics beat rivals LG Inotech and Primax Electronics to secure the deal. With that deal, Samsung will supply. of camera modules used by Tesla. LG InnoTech will supply the other 20%. This is the largest contract ever for the electronic component unit and makes it the largest supplier of camera modules for Tesla. The contract will see Samsung supply camera modules for the Model 3, Model S, Model X, Model Y, Tesla Semi, and the Cybertruck. I don't know if, uh, I presume it's just drive Tesla Canada leaving the Roadster out of the picture because I'm sure the Roadster will have the same hardware autopilot suite as all the other cars. Anyway, the new camera module will be Samsung's 4.0 version containing 5 million pixels. The 4.0 version is five times clearer than the previous 3.0 version. In addition, as per company sources, mass production, this is an important part, mass production of the 4.0 camera modules will start as early as July. First, I do wanna say, hey, well-deserved congratulations to Samsung because that is a massive contract to secure with Tesla. And this should no doubt, as you're all thinking, be for Autopilot Hardware 4. This is gonna be a huge upgrade. I mean, just from that little top level surface bit we know, The current cameras are one megapixel. These new ones are five megapixels. The big question now is when do we start seeing this in Teslas that are getting delivered to customers? As you may recall, before the Cybertruck was delayed a second time and was scheduled to go into production this fall, Elon had said that Hardware 4 would likely debut in the Cybertruck which again was planned for fall of 2022 at one point. The question I have is, is that still the plan? I mean, you can make the case either way, really. If mass production of the camera modules is due to start next month, then it's certainly possible that Tesla might stick to the original timeline that Elon laid out, which by the way was back at AI day less than one year ago. So it's the relatively recent past. And if you're wondering, uh, by the way, uh, the other scenario, I think there's two scenarios. One, the hardware four debuts in the S and X only, since the A, those are the premium vehicles that Elon has said would always get the latest and greatest stuff first. And it's also possible alongside that, that because the production volume of the S and the X is much lower than the three and the Y, if there's, a, if there's an initial supply that, you know, maybe can't fill out the whole fleet, then they can start with the S and the X and go from there. Or scenario two is if the cameras are in ready enough supply and, well, quite honestly, the term mass production in July would seem to imply that there will indeed be plenty of those camera modules, Tesla might just go ahead and put them in the entire fleet right off the bat. And then the other scenario is that Tesla just goes ahead and maintains the status quo with the current hardware suite, current camera suite, as they continue to work through what we all know by now are just global, awful supply chain challenges that are mostly out of Tesla's control and we know have already caused Tesla problems this year. And thus Tesla may decide to simply start fresh, with Hardware 4 in the Cybertruck in early 2023, and then probably the rest of the fleet at that same time as well. Now, a key component of Hardware 4 will be the full self-driving computer 2.0, and we haven't heard anything about the status of that just yet. I mean, if, if that part's not ready, it probably means the cameras won't be going into any cars until it is, even if Tesla's starting to get a a stockpile of those camera modules. Uh, One more thing, speaking of the cameras, will hardware four include more of them per car? It's no secret that the FSD beta could really use a camera or three at the very front of the car so that the car can more safely see cross traffic for things like unprotected left turns. As it is right now, it has to creep pretty far out there in order for the front-facing cameras and or the B-pillar cameras to get a look for, again, something like an unprotected left. So I don't know. I I think there's a good chance Hardware 4 might have more cameras per car going on with it. And I hope so, honestly. Uh, Finally on this topic, I think it's also fair to wonder if Tesla's going to reinstate radar in hardware for why do i say that well there is a reason our favorite tesla community white hat hacker green the only quote tweeted a twitter user named kellen who put up a very real very authentic link to the fcc application that tesla filed for a high resolution radar module green wrote this in response saying the frequency is in line with exterior radars from Bosch and Continental. Is this the imaging radar that we've been waiting for? And then the plot thickens here because obviously hardware four is gonna be an improvement, providing a ton more processing overhead for Tesla to work with, higher resolution cameras, perhaps more cameras, more views to to operate with and to make decisions with. I am fascinated to see whatever final shape hardware four takes and whether or not it's with radar, but especially if it is with this high resolution radar, how much better of a system can Tesla technically enable to the end user than what we have in the current setup? I'm really eager to find the answer to that. And, and I'm not just talking about numbers on paper. I'm talking about how it feels, how it actually operates in full self-driving out on the road, like is it? Elon has said he's phrased this as, "Oh well, future hardware versions will just be an even better full self-driver than the current version." You know, the current version will still be better than humans, but the future version will be even better than that. So, I I, I want to know what the real-world context for that is. You know, is it going to mean a smoother experience? Is it going to mean I mean, I I imagine on some level it means a safer experience, even if Tesla, they're not gonna wanna phrase it that way, probably, but I just wonder what that means in the real world, to the actual end user. So hopefully we won't have to wait too much longer to find out. Next up this week, Tesla is getting some, Tesla service, I should say, is getting some attention from Elon Musk. He tweeted this past week, Working on Tesla North American service. The goal is two thirds of cars receiving same day service, no wait. End quote. Well, I'm sure all of us, certainly I am very glad to see this, as I I'm, can't imagine, I can't imagine there's anybody going, bah, humbug, I don't want same day service. Everybody wants better service. Uh, I mean, as I've been saying for years now, service has been my personal. Number one concern about the future of the brand as the fleet grows so quickly. Not that there aren't other things. I mean, the build quality, yes, the um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that, that Tesla can improve on and I hope will improve on, but service is number one by a mile for me because I've said this before, but if if Tesla were to develop a reputation for having poor service, that's a really tough reputation to shake. Even if you've resolved it, it's just that stink will get on you and suddenly it's, Oh, well yeah, I'm not buying one of those. I've heard the service is terrible. Like it takes a long time to turn that around. Once you, it takes a while to wash that stink off once it's on you. So I really have been, I really am very concerned about service, and I'm I'm very glad to see uh Elon focus on it and publicly post about it because as I've been saying for years now, uh, I mean, we've all seen, I don't even have to not me saying it, we've seen this. It's <laughs> when Elon pays attention to stuff, it it tends when he trains his eye on something, the change slash improvement tends to happen. It's like the eye of Sauron f- fixing on you, only not evil, right? It's, oh, we're going to, okay, Elon's, we're over here in service and, oh, Elon's eye is on us. We we're going to, we're going to get better and, and more, hopefully more resources are going to put into it, but get put into it. But yeah, I mean, this goes back. I had submitted a question about service to the annual shareholders meeting a few years ago that got read out for Elon. And it's just service scaling with the very rapid growth of the fleet is so important. I mean, for a bit of perspective here, because I think it's probably fair to say that most of us who are Tesla owners listening to this, myself included, are Model 3 or Model Y owners. And for a bit of perspective, I have seen so many posts and talked to so many Model S owners over the years, and most of those people say that service used to be much better. Not saying it's bad now, that's not necessarily what I'm saying, but it was much better. That it has taken a noticeable dip. And while yes, it may be unrealistic for service to potentially ever return to the levels of a company that only had a couple hundred thousand sedans on the road when that company has now grown to four vehicles instead of one, soon to be five, and millions more customers. But it's still reassuring to see Elon paying personal attention to this because, again, when he does zero in on things, uh, change tends to happen. Now, Tesla has the capital to invest in more service centers, which is good news. They have the capital to invest in more staffing at those service centers. And they have uh, the capital to invest in more mobile service technicians as well. So I am hoping it will mean all three of those things. Now, not that you'd put all your eggs in one basket as far as allocating additional resources. I mean, that would be foolish to put all your eggs in one basket, but... Personally, if I could vote on how to allocate the plurality of that money, boy, would I personally argue for as many resources going into mobile service as possible. I have had a number of wonderful experiences with the mobile service team, and I've heard the very same thing from others. And it makes sense because the mobile service techs for Tesla... They tend to be super knowledgeable, probably because they have to be in order to be out in the field on their own to solve customer problems. And and certainly beyond that, from the customer's perspective, the convenience of having the technician come to you is simply unmatched. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. It's just so wonderful. So that's what I hope to see from this additional focus on service. In any case, again, I love the specific attention being paid here. I'll go one further. I would love to see Elon hire a new John McNeil, i.e. someone to head up service at the executive level. Because after John left Tesla a few years ago to go to Lyft, I believe it was, Elon chose not to replace him at that time and instead had all of service roll up into him, reporting into him at the end of the day. But Elon's got a lot going on, of course, as we all know. So while I think it does, as I've said a couple times here, it does spur action, it does spur change to have Elon paying attention to this, in the long term, I would still love to see somebody with, again, executive level authority to be hired to run service and pay attention to service as a full-time job. Uh, Next this week, uh, Texas, the state of Texas, released a list of electric and electrified vehicles that are eligible for the state's light duty motor vehicle purchase or lease program. No Teslas were included in this list. Tesla Teslarati reported this and they write, The program offers rebates of up to $2,500 for the purchase or lease of specific electric and electrified vehicles. The list of eligible cars is extensive, comprising 142 different models from practically every major automaker. These include 22 BMWs, 17 models from Porsche, 15 from Audi, six from Mercedes-Benz and 14 from Ford. Even Bentley had two models that were included in the list. The reason for this seems to be something that Tesla has been dealing with since its earliest days, auto dealerships. Laura Lopez, a media and community relations manager for the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, which runs the rebate program, explained Tesla's absence in a statement saying, quote, The program currently requires that eligible vehicles must be purchased or leased from a licensed new vehicle dealer or leasing company in Texas. Under Texas law, vehicles purchased directly from the manufacturer or an out-of-state dealer not licensed to sell or lease new vehicles in Texas are not eligible for a rebate, she said, according to the Center Square. Well, a reminder right here that, uh, just in case you've forgotten, The Texas state legislature only meets for a short one month window of lawmaking every other January. And they met last year, so they will not convene again until January of 2023 or about seven more months from now. That legislative session should, I think, really be a telling one for both Tesla as a company and for Tesla customers, by the way, particularly those of you who are Cybertruck buyers. Will the state repeal its ban on direct-to-consumer vehicle sales for manufacturers like Tesla, or will the dealership lobby continue to be able to maintain the status quo? And as it pertains to this story, regardless of the dealership or no dealership status, will Teslas be made eligible for these rebates at some point in the future, in the state of Texas. You know, if neither situation ends up changing, you'd have to start to wonder if Elon just wanted to move the company to Texas regardless, because mostly, I mean, I would guess, and I don't blame him, because SpaceX's Starbase base of operations is there, and maybe just Elon said he, maybe he thought to himself, eh, you know what, I don't think these anti-Tesla laws are going to really slow us down. So I don't care. Let's just go. Or was he given assurances by the Texas government when agreeing to go to Austin for the new Gigafactory? Because remember, there was allegedly a competition, uh, came down to a two-horse race between Austin and Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, were there assurances made by the Texas government? And Uh, is, are those assurances things that the state government is not following through on? I don't know. I mean, I'm not putting on any tinfoil hats here just yet. I do know that politics can be a dirty, dangerous, and often slow moving game. Uh, but I am very curious if Tesla brings thousands upon thousands of jobs, not to mention a bunch of revenue to the state of Texas will that quote unquote buy them anything? I guess we'll find out in about seven months from now. All right, that is everything I've got for you in a busy, another busy week of Tesla news. But stick with me, I've got a bunch of your excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls queued up and ready to go right after this.
1: This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, The Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out.
0: Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be a part of the podcast. If you've got a Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic, I would love to hear it. There are two easy ways that you can call in. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90 second or less question and call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number that you can dial anytime, day or night, and the number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake if you like. Visit LifeOnRecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Peter from Temecula, California.
2: Hi, Ryan. This is Peter from Temecula, California. I just listened to the episode with Peter from Wisconsin who called in with a comment about sentry mode not being available when dog mode is enabled. Um, I think this is likely by design because um, having a um, movement inside the cabin of the car is likely to trigger sentry mode. Um, I actually experienced this myself when I was camping a couple of years ago in my Model 3. And um, this was before the, uh, the official camp mode was released. So while I was getting ready to lie down in the back and uh, uh, go to sleep, I forgot that I had sentry mode on and that um, something, either movement, uh, I don't know if it was from the camera or the weight sensors on the seat. But when I was moving around and getting ready, uh, it triggered sentry mode. And um, like it was the alarm with the very loud music started to play. So um, I think if you had a dog moving around inside the car, when um, when central mode is on, it's, it's likely to just trigger that alarm. And that would definitely scare the dog. And, um, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, the interior f- cameras have been enabled in recent releases. So I think it's likely just it would trigger mode from the camera, um, if not by some other means, like maybe a dog could press the button or something accidentally. Uh, so anyway, I think that's likely by design, and um, it just kind of, you would just have a conflict between those two features. Um, all right, uh, thanks a lot. Take care. Bye.
0: Excellent point here, Peter. You're probably right. Still, I think most dog owners would happily trade the disabling of internal cameras and sensors in exchange for sentry mode being able to be left on for the car's outside cameras. At least I speak for myself. I guess I can't speak for anybody else, but I mean, I'm not sure if it's that easy, technically speaking, but that would be my personal vote if it were possible. Uh, Thank you for your call on that. And by the way, thanks to John from Western Massachusetts for calling in with the very same smart line of thinking as you, Peter, because John, uh, I know you're probably listening to my response there going, well, wait a minute, I called in about this too. And well, as it turns out from time to time here on the Ride the Lightning Hotline, great minds think alike. I appreciate you both. Uh, Our next call is from Mitch in Marin County, replying to my comment about Tesla insurance in California when I was talking about how I went and got another quote and it was actually higher than the first time I checked, despite having gotten a 99 safety score. Go ahead, Mitch.
2: Hi, Ryan. It's Mitch from Ren County. You said that you, you couldn't get a good price on insurance. You should be aware that uh, Tesla noted that in California, you're not using the, the uh, they have to do dynamic insurance pricing. All the other state pay adjust eight base current driving method, but they don't have Thanks, take care. Bye.
0: Mitch, thanks for your call and for reminding me about that. Yes, I should have remembered that California is set up so that insurance companies, including Tesla themselves, can't use the dynamic safety score to adjust insurance prices. A number of other folks kindly mentioned that to me as well. I'll still keep checking it from time to time anyway, though thankfully, knock on wood, I'm satisfied enough with my current policy coverage and price for the time being. Take care, Mitch. Thanks as always for your calls. Next is another regular Will from Ancaster.
1: Hey Ryan, Will from Ancaster again. Uh, just listening to this week's podcast and I just wanted to confirm on the uh, the older Model S's and whatnot about the the programmable buttons. You could do fan speed, you could do temperature, you could do the trip meter, um, the energy graph, which is no longer available in the new ones. Um, that was actually one of the features that I absolutely missed going from the older style to the newer style, um, was that ability to control the fan speed. Uh, so... <laughs> I feel you're paying – I don't remember the caller's name, but anyway. um, One option that that is out there, though, is uh, sexy buttons. (laughs) Um, I don't actually have them, but I I did a lot of research on them because I was entertaining the ideas. And if you just Google sexy buttons, you'll see them. Um, They're designed for Tesla Model SEXY, obviously. um, And they're fully programmable to essentially anything that you're going to find in – in your app control screens. So uh that's an option. Anyway, put it out there. Love the podcast. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: I appreciate the confirmation on my comment there, Will, as well as the constructive suggestion on how to address it. And I would also like to give a shout out here to Jim in Lakewood, Colorado, another longtime listener and Patreon backer, just like Will is who called in to say, just like we heard a few minutes ago, the same thing, more great minds thinking alike. Uh, Jim also gave a good constructive suggestion for the new S and X, and even the three and the Y as well. You can use the voice controls to set your temperature if you don't wanna reach out to touch the screen. Just click that scroll wheel in once, wait for the beep, and then tell the car what you want. So thank you to both Will and Jim for your calls and for your support. Next up, let's hear from Chris in Kansas.
3: Hi Ryan, this is Chris in Kansas. I'd like to take a couple minutes and give you a review of my upgrade from my 2021 Model 3 Standard Range Plus to my 2022 Model 3 Long Range. I've Got some pluses and minuses, and hopefully this will help any potential buyers decide if they wanna upgrade or uh, go with the Long Range. So for some pluses, and this is gonna seem obvious, the range is great having a 120 mile round trip to work every day this does make a difference it, it reduces my range anxiety quite a bit next the speed on paper yeah it's faster but it is it is noticeably quicker when you smash the pedal on the long range you can your brain hitting the back of your skull feels a lot different than it does in a standard range plus Plus. and i for one really do enjoy the extra quickness the sound system in the car is awesome. It's got a subwoofer that's built in, and that extra bass does add some depth and, and richness to the sound that you get in your in your music that you listen to. Next, the car feels like it's put together tighter. I always had a random rattle in the in the front driver's side dash that Tesla couldn't fix. There's always a, a squeak in the in the back passenger side seat that would never go away. And so far, I've not experienced any of that with this car. It just feels tight, like they took some extra time and screwed it together a little better. And finally, on the pluses, mine was lucky enough to come with the Ryzen chip, and it is noticeably differ on the display, noticeably quicker on the display unit when you bring up reverse or any of the uh, the media options there. I mean, it, it was a neat surprise. I didn't know I was going to get that as well. For the negatives i only really have two and the first one which is a huge one is that this is my first time using the vision only autopilot system and it phantom brakes like no other i caused almost caused an accident yesterday driving my normal route to work on the interstate when the car slammed on the brakes from 80 miles an hour down to 50 before i could get uh, it accelerated again cars were serving around me honking it was pretty scary and then, when I continued on my journey, it would stutter off and on as we were going, like it couldn't decide if it wanted to break or not uh I really wish Tesla would spend some more time on the the highway stack and 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 put some in some effort into that because it, it's scary driving, and I don't have a whole lot of confidence in autopilot yet with this car and then the last negative thing I have, and it's just and it's weird it's a software thing I know is that the 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 uh, charging port door will never close unless I close it manually. If I accidentally open it, it just stays open. It doesn't go back down. So I have to go into the upper car and shut it. So those are the pluses and negatives I've seen so far in my upgrade. Um, Overall, I'd buy this car again 10 out of 10 times. It's just an amazing product. The weirdness that I've found so far are really only software fixed issues that will get fixed eventually. Um, But if you're thinking about upgrading, I would definitely upgrade if you can. Thanks for all you do.
0: Chris, I appreciate you sharing your experience here. And as you warned me on your email, your call is long, yes, but I agree that it's a useful testimonial for people who are trying to decide between the base Model 3 and the long range. Most of the good things you mentioned about the long range are objective things. The range, the speed, the sound system, and the MCU 3, the Ryzen chip. Thankfully, All the cars get that Ryzen chip now, so that's a plus. As for your car's build quality, unfortunately, that's kind of a car-to-car thing. Even four years into Model 3 production, and it doesn't really matter which version of the Model 3 you have. It's a bit of a dice roll. But yes, I would certainly agree the Tesla is getting better over time at building those Model 3s more tightly. You know, just having a, a more, just a better build quality overall. Unfortunately... Uh, Just as every car, regardless of trim level, gets the Ryzen chip, so too does every car get vision-only autopilot. I can tell you from my experience with the FSD beta that phantom braking, again, in my experience, has been mostly beaten out of the system. Two of the FSD beta version updates over the the last few months have specifically targeted, quote-unquote, false slowdowns, as Tesla calls them. I certainly hope that Tesla ports those fixes over to the production branch of the autopilot software very soon. Thank you for calling in, Chris, and enjoy that new Model 3. Next up is Peter from Amory, Wisconsin.
4: Hello, Ryan, I hope you're well. This is Peter from Amory, Wisconsin. my understanding is that Tesla just has the one default navigation app or system or whatever you want to call it. And um, you can't like let's say download something like Waze. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Uh, But my girlfriend and I, we've been using Waze for several years and we really like that you can know about accidents, traffic, police, road obstructions, and so on. Um, And I was wondering you know, assuming that you can't download something like Waze and just use that as the default, do you think that uh, the Tesla navigation system ever would introduce something like that, where you know the, the Tesla user, you know, if you see something on the road, you can add it to the map so that other Teslas in the area would have that information show up on their end, and therefore you know you can avoid a slow down for something that may be on the road. Um, avoid a certain area, et cetera. Um, I think this could be a very useful feature because as, ins- as, as an example, for instance, uh, the area we live in has a lot of roads that are, have potholes and we try to avoid those. Cause we really want to protect the car and the wheels and, you know, and we've kind of figured out some back routes to take, but this could be information that, um, could be useful to relay to others or, you know, have we known about it and it was shown on the map. Um, that this is maybe a street that you should avoid uh, that could be, you know, very helpful. So I was just wondering what your thoughts are on if that's ever a possibility, if that's a good idea, pros and cons, and so on. Um, Thank you very much for the podcast, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Bye.
0: Hi, Peter. Great to hear from you. And yes, this is a great idea, and I do think it could happen. Elon has been asked on Twitter before if the autopilot cameras could ever be used to see and avoid potholes, and he said yes. And I think that's exactly where the Tesla nav might be headed in the coming years. Automating most of the stuff that you're talking about, flagging accidents, potholes, speed traps, etc for other users by using the vision system to just see and identify them through being trained by the neural net and then upload them back to the mothership to have their specific location be shared with the rest of the fleet that's in that area. Plus, we know Tesla is continuing to work on the in-car nav, since as I talked about on last week's podcast, they just added headwinds, crosswinds, etc., as range affecting factors in the predictor in the nav. So, yes, this is a definite possibility, and I hope we see it sooner rather than later. But I am confident that we will eventually see it. Thanks again for calling in, Peter. And let me take one more call this week. It's from Phil in Discovery Bay, California.
5: Hey, Brian, this is Phil from Discovery Bay, California. you got a great show going that I really enjoy. Hey, some questions from last week's episode. Um... With regard to the excellent registration numbers for Model 3 and Model Y in California, curious how Tesla did in uh, percentage of total registrations. Also, um, with regard to the Hollywood drive-in theater um, news, uh, wondering what the the parking lot charging stations might look at as people are trying to get in and out, you know, um, for the 30-minute shows there. It seems like it would be a bit of a mess in the parking lot um, with cars coming and going at the same time. And thirdly, um, I know your warranties due to expire here in the next couple of months. I'm not far behind you. Do you have any recommendations on Uh, items for uh, Tesla Service Center to look at and check on before that warranty expires. All right. Thanks a lot for your uh, insights and comments. Look forward to future shows.
0: Phil, thanks for the call. If I didn't mention it at the time to answer your first question, a Tesla was one out of every 10 new cars in California in Q1 2022. Think about that. The entire Giant state of California, a lot of people here, one in every 10 new cars. It was actually even a little more than that because it was 11%. That is amazing, if you ask me, and just awesome to see. Your second point about traffic flow issues at the Hollywood drive-in supercharger that's underway, that's a good point. I had not really thought about that. Hopefully Tesla has, but realistically, I expect that most people will simply unplug and leave when they're done, even if the show on the big movie screen is still going. I mean, for one, most people are just gonna wanna get on their way, and two, it's proper charging etiquette to not occupy a charging spot unless you're actually charging, and I think most people are pretty good about that and will adhere to that. Finally, as far as what to have checked out on your car before the warranty expires, I'll tell you. I'd love to hear some ideas for that myself. But any squeaks or rattles that you may have, those are, I would say, now is the time to try and have them addressed before you go out of warranty. Take care, Phil. Thank you so much for your call. And thank you to everybody for taking the time to call in. I will get to more calls next week. I promise you that. So if you'd like to Call in and either respond to something I talked about in the news block, respond to another caller. You just have a Tesla question, fire it my way. I gave you the two easy call-in methods at the top of this segment, so refer back to that. And I'm uh, not done yet, though. I've got your pro tip of the week and some more, so stay tuned for a bit more right after this. Welcome back. Well, I had a day to myself last weekend, so I did something that I haven't done in a while. I went for a drive down through some twisty roads in the woods, and boy was that fun. I just forget sometimes. I mean, the day to day is is fun in the car, but taking a car, taking my car specifically to just go for an adventurous drive, it's great. I mean, You'd really you just forget you don't have to use the brake at all in a Tesla on a on a you know low speed limit but twisty road you can just let off the accelerator heading into the curves and then punch it coming out of the curves which in a Model 3 Performance is particularly fun. So you know, I just want to say if you haven't taken your Tesla on a fun drive with that has no other purpose except for that. If you haven't done that in a while, Make, try to make some time to do it if you can, because boy is it fun. Uh, also, just coming back over here to my hotel to record the podcast and then go to bed. Coming back from from my uh, our LA office, I dialed up my Uber and I was very happy to see because I always I know I've, I I feel bad I've I, I uh, have said <laughs> mean not mean things but I've I've made it clear I'm not a fan of the Prius. So anytime I'm I'm getting an Uber or a Lyft, I'm just like, and I'm and it's like waiting for driver, you know, finding driver. I'm like, please don't be a Prius, please don't pre- be a Prius, and I got a Model Three. I was like, yes, I got a Model Three. So of course, uh, I I told the driver as soon as I got in, oh, I've got a red Model Three too, because it happened to be a red car, and it, you know I just found it so interesting. I had a, had a nice conversation with the guy the whole way back. It was like a good 20 minute ride or so. And it's just, I find it fun. I mean, in general, I just like talking to other Tesla owners, but especially it's just, I don't often get to talk to Tesla owners who are not super enthusiasts. Like all of you, I love hearing from all of you in the Ride the Lightning hotline. I love exchanging tweets with you, emails with you, Instagram messages with you. Uh, some a lot of times, some of you'll come to town and and reach out and say, "Hey, can we meet up?" and 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 I'm always enjoy I'm always enjoy doing that. But you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're at the far enthusiastic end of the scale of Tesla ownership and that's great. We all love this. We all it brings us all joy. We have fun with it. But I I just I don't get the opportunity to talk to uh just a a Tesla owner who just bought the car and isn't like consuming every little bit of Tesla news. And and it was really uh, fun. It was just fun to talk to me. He, he loves the car. He's he's said he's got several other cars, uh, but he's he's going electric from here on out and uh, it was it was just a fun conversation. So I hope I get to get be in Tesla's more often on ride shares because it's this only the second time I've ever been one. Not that I'm in ride shares super often, but uh, I just hope it becomes more of a normal occurrence. Anyway, real quick, how about an entertainment recommendation for you this week? And the show on Netflix, it's back for season two. I think I might have mentioned it when season one came out. The show is called The Floor is Lava. And it is just a wholesome, fun game show that is a, it's a, it's a literal, like, physical recreation of the old, you know, imaginary living room game, The Floor is Lava. It's very fun. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And it's back for season two, if you have already seen season one. Pro tip of the week time, Mike in Blythewood, South Carolina. Go ahead.
6: Hey, Ryan, this is Mike in Blythewood, South Carolina. I took delivery of a red Model Y in July 2020, and my wife got her white Model Y two weeks later. And boy, do we love our cars! Like you and so many of our friends in the Tesla community, I love to take my puppies along when I drive my Tesla. I thought I'd pass along two important lessons I've learned while traveling with them. I have too many schnauzers, and they each weigh less than 15 pounds. While driving, One sits on my lap and the other likes the front passenger seat. As you may remember, last year Tesla implemented an energy-saving feature which disables the passenger side vents if no passenger is detected, which means my puppy does not have his AC on by default. Summers are quite hot where we live. So tip number one is this. If you want your dog to stay comfortable, be sure to bring up the HVAC menu and click the vent on the passenger side. You will see the air start to flow on the animation and your pal will thank you. Tip number two may qualify as a pro tip. I sometimes make short trips to the store or for takeout with less than 20% charge. I recently discovered that dog mode does not work when the state of charge is this low. So keep that in mind whenever you have your furry friends with you, because you won't be able to leave them for more than a few moments in this situation. Thanks for all your hard work with the podcast, and please give Daisy a big kiss from my schnauzers,
0: Max and Gracie. Thank you, Mike. And Daisy says hello back to your pups. Uh, These are good shouts for sure. Uh, Even Daisy at 55 pounds sometimes isn't detected by the car depending on how she lays across the back seats. So when I turn on the AC, I always double check in the HVAC menu to make sure that the rear fan is on because usually it is, but sometimes it's not. Uh, And definitely a good reminder about the 20% battery threshold as well. This also applies to Sentry mode. Uh, Mike, I appreciate you calling in with these dog-friendly tips. Before I go, let me mention a few friends of the show, starting with abstractocean.com. They've got many a fine aftermarket Tesla accessory. You should just take a look around, see what they've got. Maybe something will jump out at you. They've got things for all four Tesla vehicles. You can even search, uh, just categorize by vehicle so that you're only seeing the products that they have that are available for your Tesla. So again, it's abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLpodcast at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Maybe you're getting a lighting kit. Maybe you're getting a center console wrap. Maybe you're getting a uh, a, a rear footwell lighting kit. Maybe a drop-in cup holder stabilizer. The list goes on and on. You gotta just take a look. Abstractocean.com. Over at snap plate which the website is everyamp.com slash rtl you can get yourself a front license plate bracket for again any of the four teslas they've got them all that snaps on and off in seconds it's paint safe grill safe radiator safe and autopilot safe it's a nice clean minimalist design which i'm a big fan of you guys know i like minimalist stuff it blends perfectly with the tesla front end when it's installed and if you take it off Maybe you're going to be detailing the car, maybe you are you just want it off while you're driving and you're only going to put it back on for toll roads or bridges or parked in a parking meter. It leaves nothing behind when you do remove it. So make those fix-it tickets go away for those of you who, like me, hate using a front license plate. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Budget-safe solar, every Tesla owner I know has a pretty good idea, if not the exact cost in their head. They know the cost of the electricity for their Tesla. That is, they know it based upon today's electric grid rates. None of us know how much these rates are gonna go up in the next five, 10 plus years. That is, except people with solar. So if you've thought about getting solar installed at your home or office, because then you're driving for free on sunshine. Contact a friend of the show, Budget Safe Solar at budgetsafesolar.com. Their byline is, capping tomorrow's energy costs today. And by the way, if you've considered entering the growing field of solar, they'd like to talk to you about that as well. So either way, just learn more, and or reach out to them at budgetsafesolar.com. And if you do proceed with a solar installation for again, your home or office, please use the referral code RTL. I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, Immaculate Reflections. If you're going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area with your car, treat your car, treat yourself, bring your car to Immaculate Reflections. There's a discount waiting. Uh, If you book any service of any kind, there's a nice little discount waiting for you. If you just mention that you're a a Ride the Lightning listener, maybe you want to do paint correction, ceramic coating, paint protection film on some or all the car. I recommend them all for various reasons. Just uh, Jeff, the proprietor there is happy to work with you and your budget on, you know, whatever's going to work best for you. So check his website out, and that's also how you get in touch to book in with him. The website is irdetailing.com. Look him up on Yelp if you like. His uh, page there is yelp.com slash reflections. You can even see his work on his Instagram page, which the handle there on Instagram is immaculate underscore reflections. How about puretesla.com slash RTL? Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. I've got the 128 gig kit in my car. It's only 49 bucks shipped free anywhere in the US. It's a micro SD based solution that plugs right into your USB port in your car, comes fully formatted, ready to go. It's really just the easiest, most bulletproof, rock solid, way to go with the dash cam and sentry mode. I recommend it. Get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. They also have the nice slim profile wireless game controller kits for your Tesla as well at that same link, if you're interested in that. Uh, What else? I think that is about, let me make sure I'm not leaving anybody out here. I think that's everybody. Ah, let me just mention the Patreon. As you know, I mentioned at the top of the show, I just started the, you know, there's the little refresh of the Patreon and the ludicrous tier, the $10 per month tier, now gets you not just early access, which is available at the $5 tier, the sport mode tier, but that $10 ludicrous mode tier also gets you, in addition to that early access, it gets you that weekly bonus mini episode, which I'm calling the lightning round. The first episode that's up now was uh, about the DeLorean Alpha 5 EV. It was about 25 minutes long. I ended up, turns out I'm, I've am i got a lot to say about the DeLorean EV. So I said it all. Uh, so if you're interested in supporting the podcast, which I hope at some point in time, you will feel that I have earned your support and you will go to my Patreon page which is Patreon.com slash Tesla Podcast. And Patreon, if you're curious, is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, you can support, you can pledge at that ludicrous tier, or I mean any of the tiers you want, but that ludicrous one is where that weekly bonus lightning round mini episode comes in. And and I should guess I should know, just to be clear, if you join now, you'll get access to uh, the entire back catalog, which for now is just that DeLorean uh, one, but as they come in, anytime you join, you're going to suddenly have a, a more and more weekly bonus mini episodes that you can go back and listen to if you want. So... Hopefully that will appeal to you. I'm just trying to provide a little more value, a little more a little more thank you to my audience who is kind enough to support me at the uh, ludicrous tier or higher. Because as I, I hope is obvious, I do put a lot of love, a lot of research, a lot of effort and time, and what I hope is professionalism and fun into this podcast. Uh, and perhaps again, I know I've got to earn your support. It cannot be given. It must be earned. So that's all I'm trying to do week in and week out. Uh, You can follow slash subscribe slash whatever each podcast service calls it on all the major podcast services. I'm on Apple podcasts. I'm on Google podcasts. I'm on Stitcher and TuneIn and Spotify and even YouTube, although it's just audio only on there. But with YouTube in particular, if you want to find me there, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube, you'll find my channel and you can subscribe for free very easily there. Uh, regardless of, you know, whichever podcast service you use, if you follow slash subscribe, the point of doing that is that the show will push out to you automatically every time there's a new episode, which is, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. You don't have to remember to do it. Your device, your podcast service Will remember for you. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. It's the same handle on both DMC underscore Ryan. You can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And uh, what else? I guess if you're, if you fancy Xbox in the world of video games, I'm here in LA to cover a bunch of video games, including as the show publishes on here on Sunday, if you're listening to this on Sunday, Sunday is the day of the Xbox Bethesda showcase. It's, eh, odds are it'll already happen by the time you hear this, because it was at at 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. But I'll be live on IGN for our pre-show, and then live on IGN for our one-hour post-show immediately after. If you'd like to hang out with me, I'm hosting that with the rest of my podcast Unlocked crew. That's the name of our weekly Xbox show at IGN. So yeah, if you're a gamer and you want to see, uh, basically it's the Super Bowl of Xbox is the big you know, press conference at this time of the year every year. Come hang out on IGN.com or YouTube.com slash IGN. Uh, and with that, let me simply say hello and thank you to all of the higher tier Patreon backers, the plaid level supporters who are now plaid is retired, but these folks are grandfathered in. So let me say thank you so much to George Cassioppo, to David Brander and Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Kaminias, the Lydia family. Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zalesny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Next up, the Maximum Plaid tier. First, of a shout out to the latest Maximum Plaid backer, HaloBengals.com. Along with the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay. Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, Zach Schwartz, KB, Matt Asbury, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, and I mentioned halobangles.com. And the the Roadster in Space tier crew, say hi to the newest one. Thank you to Kara Weston, along with Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, and Tesla Hitchhiker 42. Thank you all so much for your very generous support. Thank you to everybody for, as always, taking the time out of your life to listen. Your time is your most valuable thing, in my humble opinion. You can't buy more of it. You only get 24 hours a day, as do we all. So thank you for spending an hour and change of your valuable time with me each and every week here on Ride the Lightning. This was episode 358. I am back to it uh, back to uh, my, the day job activity here. Actually, well, now I'm going to bed because it's 1152 PM, but uh, <laughs> back to bed and then uh, up and at them for a fun weekend of ign.com day job stuff. And as usual, I'll be back with you, next week for more Ride the Lighting, more Tesla chatter. As always, I will see you then. Happy electric motoring.
4: I mean, I think a Tesla